Coach Plymel, good morning. Morning. It's a beautiful day here in Buckhannon. We're doing our thing here this morning. <laughs> We're here. <laughs> a little podcast action, which is always fun. Uh, so, Coach, for the listener who doesn't know about the Coach Plymel, <laughs> a little background would be awesome. Sure. Uh, well, I'm from here. There we go. Played uh, here in the late 90s. Um, actually, on the only team to win a playoff game. Um, and then went to Wesleyan to play. Um, didn't last long in the college game. It was too small. But I uh, ended up missing it and played uh, semi-professionally. Some of those old man football leagues for, for several years. Old man football leagues. We like that. <laughs> yeah. And then um, started coaching here. Um really to try to get a teaching job. <laughs> mm. I showed up trying to get a, a job. And back in those days to get a social studies job, someone had to retire or die. And yeah. uh, there were literally 10 applicants for every job and everyone was fully certified. And so it took a while, but I got on coaching middle school football, showed up to be an assistant coach, asked to be the head coach as I walked in the door and never coached a thing in my life. <laughs> And we were not very good the first year, but got some help, and we did better as we went along there. You're the winner on the prices. Wrong. I definitely was that year. <laughs> I didn't know what I didn't know. Yeah, he's dull. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, did that for four years. We got better as we went along and came up as an assistant with my old college coach, Coach Struble. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was talking to Coach Davis about Struble, and I said I learned a lot about the game of football. Man, it was almost like a beautiful mind. Mm. He's got a hit chart for miles. That's right. And but um, he also was, had a gruff personality, um, so sometimes it wasn't the most fun thing to do work for Coach Dribble. But I learned a lot. Um, and then when he left, Coach Dokel asked me to become the defensive coordinator here. Mm. So in 2013, I took that over, and Coach Davis was kind enough to let me keep mm. doing that. Um, so we're still still rolling here. Heck yeah, heck yeah! It's been a good good experience. This has been, uh, you know, for me as a head coach, the most enjoyable place to be a head coach. Oh, it's uh, a lot of fun. It is. It is a it's a good community, good people like Coach Plymouth, and uh, yeah, it's it's a not that the Riverside or Nitro were bad. It's just different here. It's a one high school in this county, which really helps, especially these days with all the transfer. <laughs> I mean, my gosh, I, you know, we have a we have a a message board website here in West Virginia, wvtailgatecentral.com, and just to read all the transfer stuff that makes me never want to be at a place where you have multiple high schools. Well, especially if you don't have the resources as another school in the county, right? I mean, they got better facilities. They've got better weight room. I mean, to see you later, right? They're just going to yeah. leave, see it by, and you're like, what? You know, like we're doing great things. We're, you know, doing everything they're doing, but, you know, maybe they've had more on-field success, or maybe they are have a newer school. <laughs> bigger budget. Bigger budget. <laughs> bigger recruiting budget. Uh, you know, and I know that's the way high school football is going. I know, but, and it's, not, I don't want to be the guy. Have you ever seen the meme where it said it's, an old man yelling at a cloud and it says old man yelling at cloud. I don't want to be that guy, but at the same time, I would find myself getting worn out at a place. If you had to constantly recruit your own kids in high school. 
I, I would just, I'd be like, quit. I'd, I'd, I'd quit. I'd just say I couldn't do that. Anymore. I mean, we recruiter kids here. If we see anyone that looks athletic or has any kind of size, right? We're talking to them about playing football, but right. they don't really have a whole lot of options as to where to go. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have to, you'd have to drive a ways to find another school that was comparable, right? Or um, maybe even had better facilities than what we have. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, yeah, but I, I get it. You know, the AU stuff has kind of changed the, mm-hmm. the scope of things. Parents are paying money now for kids to to do different things, and they want college scholarships out of it and that sort of stuff. And kids think that they can get that sometimes mm-hmm. in various areas. And, and maybe it helps them, and, and maybe they are no longer the big fish in the pond. Yeah, I think there's, you know, it's not – there's always good and bad to about everything. And I think the AAU circuit, the travel ball circuit, there's good exposure. I think colleges go to that stuff more now than they ever did in the past. But I also think some of it's a, a racket. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to, from what I understand, I'm, I'm just looking at my dad coaches down in Florida. And he was a while back giving me figures of what it costs to be on a travel team. And what the coaches of those travel teams make. Well, of course I want to take Billy. Because he's going to pay me a lot of money. Yeah. And I'm going to, you know, he's great. He's good. Not real. Sometimes not really. His dad's a doctor. But that yeah. check clears. Yeah. And, you know, those guys make six figures, some of them. Oh, yeah. And not just with that. But plus they're, you know, a lot of those guys are an AAU coach or travel ball coach. Plus they're a high school coach down there. So, I mean, you're looking at, that's big money. I mean, they're making more than I'm making as principal for sure. And I think some of what gets lost there, though, is the community, the camaraderie, and learning how to practice. When, especially, this is not football, obviously, but if you're just playing games all the time. Yeah. When do you really develop your skill level, right, for those different sports? Right, you're just you're just playing. You I mean, play all the time. There's no... Yeah. There's no time to refine the things that you mm-hmm. have wrong. And weight room? There's no weight, there's no weight room. Pra- practice? Talk about practice. practice. We talk about practice. As long yeah. as you get on the bus. As long as you get on the bus and the check clears, yeah. uh, we're good. Who writes a check anymore, though? Mm. Have you written a check in, ten, in, in yeah, I two have. years? Have I you have. written a check? I have, because uh, for like you sport pictures, mm. I wrote checks. Okay. I was okay. like, you got PayPal? No. Okay. Right. Here's a check. My brother was telling me, because I asked him Venmo. for, he was going to send me money for something for football. And I, I gave him, like, our, who to write a check out to. And he goes, buddy, I haven't written a check in, like, five years. Do you have a Venmo? Do you have a Venmo? Do you have a PayPal? Yeah. You know, that's it's it's just a different world. Yeah. <laughs> much different than what it used to be. And that, on that circuit, too, a lot of times they'll, they'll tell you, you know, college coaches are coming to this. College mm-hmm. coaches are, are watching this. And, and sometimes that's true, um, and sometimes it's, you know, it's the Division Two and Division Three guys that don't have money <coughs> or a lot of money to give you anyway. So, yeah, I, I was thinking, I was talking to somebody about this, not about this in particular, but about college recruiting earlier this week. And you'll hear kids say, I've been recruited by D1 schools. And for whatever sport. And it makes me chuckle because, you know, you know the kid, right? The kid they're talking about. 
and you go, okay, he's five foot nine, five foot eight. And you go and look up that sports division. You look up that sport, right, for any Division One school. And you look at the, the smallest guy on the roster is like six one. Oh, yeah. And you go, yeah, no. I like, no, no, no. Yeah, I remember Jeff Castile at, at one of the WBS <laughs> camps back in the day before they were even in the Big 12. Mm-hmm. Was like, I don't recruit linebackers under six foot. And he says, I prefer them all to be six two. Right. Okay. You know, I, I okay, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So you got the 5'10 kid that wants to play linebacker. Well, I don't know that WVU's giving you any money for that. Probably not. And, mm-hmm. yeah, but I think one of the best the best linebacker I've ever coached is 5'9". Yeah. Could power clean like 400 pounds, but he was 5'9". Yeah. His highlight tape was like a video game. He'd hit people and they would explode. Mm-hmm. But, and people will watch his highlight tape. And, they, and this was, I'm talking Auburn, Clemson, Ole Miss, like all these SEC schools down in Georgia would come in and they'd watch his highlight tape. But he, then he'd walk in the door. They, they were kind to him, shake his hand. He'd walk out the door, eyes too short. Like, you can be the most productive high school player in the history of high school, but if you don't hit the measurables for college, then they're not going to offer you. I mean, just, they really aren't, unless you're just like a one-off type guy. Like yeah, and, and the same thing holds true if you have the measurables. You right. may have not had the best high school career, right? But oh, you're six foot seven, three hundred and forty pounds. You can move a little bit. We're gonna take a shot at. We'll you. take a shot at you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just it's so interesting being on the coaching side versus, and I get like parents with their kids to have a great experience, go to college. Like, yeah, absolutely. Like, I went to college to play football. I, that's what you know. I understand that. But this, I think it's be helpful. Maybe we should do like a parent clinic on this. And I've done them in the past, uh, different schools, to talk about the recruiting process and how it works. Like, what are they looking for? And let's say your son wants to go play football at WVU, okay? And he plays this. He plays wide receiver. Go to their roster and look up the height and weight of all their receivers. And then uh, I like to do this too. Look where they're from. Like, where do they recruit their receivers from? Because obviously they're going to recruit them from a certain area. Florida. Usually Florida, yeah. right? And, you know, if you're a kid in West Virginia, you're going to have to be above and beyond for the, to get on their radar. Well, I don't know. You and I have had the conversation that we're really <coughs> two seasons behind in West Virginia because we yeah. don't have a spring ball. Yeah, we are. So, you know, most of the kids here, mm-hmm. they don't recruit too heavy unless they're just a, a real generational talent. Because mm-hmm. it's there's no point because they're they're that far behind. Or if they do recruit them, it's for an invited walk-on spot or something like that. I had a coach from West Virginia come in in the spring, and he used those exact words. That kids from West Virginia are two years behind because they don't have spring football. Uh, and really where that shows is the skill positions. Yeah. Linemen, you can redshirt them, get them ready, whatever. I mean, look at the, the guys WVU. Yeah, I've gone and had a good good careers. <laughs> had the unfortunate pleasure of playing against <laughs> yeah. all those guys. Yeah, and then you look at a, a a rare, you know, like Grant Wells, who's now Virginia Tech, yeah. who's really good kid, really good player. Uh, the coaches down there at GW in Charleston do a great job. They did a great job developing him. They did all the stuff in the summer. They were you know getting him ready and you know, all that kind of stuff. He went to Marshall and started. Now he's at Virginia Tech, doing well there. But if you don't develop those football skills year-round, we're not going to be able to catch Florida and Georgia and 
Texas and now we're not going to catch them anywhere because our population's so much less, but you got to skill develop all the time, especially quarterback, running back, receiver. Yeah, you got to be able to do I've that. I've told kids, you know, I went to a small Division two school to play football. Mm-hmm. West Virginia Wesleyan's a small school, and they have no money now, but they had a little bit of money then. Mm-hmm. Um, when I went there, I looked around and you know, talked, to, talked to the kids. Even then, you know, 20 of the kids are from New Jersey. Mm-hmm. 30 of them were from PA, mm-hmm. you know, 15 from Ohio. Mm-hmm. So you had a, still a core of West Virginia kids, but a lot of the kids were brought in from out of state mm-hmm. and, and from bigger programs that, mm-hmm. you know, that played uh, higher levels of competition. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt. So Coach 335, 353, talk about it. Ah, uh, well, you know, like I said, 2013, um, Coach Stokel took over, handed me a book. It's from Georgia Southern. Okay. And it was it said three five three on it. I'm gonna look up, see if I can find this thing online. Go ahead. Yeah. So he handed me this book and I start looking at it and I'm like, okay. He said, I think we can run this. We don't have a lot of big guys. The ones we have have to go both ways. Mm-hmm. So let's limit the amount we're playing on with with on defense. Mm-hmm. So he said, take this, design it however you want. I want it to be super simple. And I want to make sure that our kids know exactly what they're doing pre-snap. Mm. And so uh, I started looking at it and uh, I sat down and kind of made it almost <laughs> almost idiot-proof, mm. so to speak. Because we were so confused the year before <coughs> on defense and we'd mm-hmm. given up ungodly amounts of yards, over 400 yards a game rushing. Mm-hmm. the year before so we i wanted something where they were playing at least fast mm. and and trying to get after it a little bit we improved a lot i think we gave up 2500 in 2013 and less than less than uh that the year the next year mm-hmm. we made the playoffs so mm-hmm. it, was a, it was a much different design and and kind of a way for us to get so much better quickly mm-hmm. um Worked really well for for the years that we had the tweener type bodies, the linebacker type kids. Those here in West Virginia, it's a 160 to 200 pound kid that runs a little bit. Um, in other places, that you know might be a little bigger, but we had success with it. Then that well kind of dried up, and we started looking at other things. Played a little four four. We played a little uh, 50 angle. We did a little bit of the three four. Um, just some different things to try to maximize what talent we had. Um, but I, I think the odd stack, if you have the kids, mm-hmm. you got some kids that can run and some kids that are, are willing to be aggressive mm-hmm. and get after a little bit, it is a, is a pretty good defense, especially here in North Central West Virginia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the first defense I ran as a coordinator yeah. was three – Three five three, three three five, whatever, whatever you, you want to call it. We that was the that was the Eagles View Academy in Jacksonville, Florida. We did not have a home field. <laughs> have I told you that? Yeah, you told okay. me. Yeah, yes, I had to travel to every yeah. single game. We practiced on a church softball field. Did not have a defense. Not have, did not have a defensive player over two hundred pounds. Uh, now it helped. We had a quarterback end up going to Wisconsin, <laughs> and but it's a players' game. And we were quick. So we blitz move. And then the cool thing about it was as the year went on, we got much better at playing just base defense out of it and just rush, like rush three, play base defense. So 
it became the defense of extremes. We could rush three, drop eight, or we could we're bringing five or six or six. Usually, usually it was four mm-hmm. with a, a or five with like a, a twist game type deal. So we we actually got into. I think we've talked about this. We called it mug, and we would walk with what we call Lou and Ron now. We called him Sam Will. We called him Sam Will back then, whatever. It's just semantics. We'd walk him up over the guards, like at the heels of the linemen, and they weren't always rushing. And so since they were at the heels of the linemen, they could still read. And if we had a blitz, they would blitz. But a lot of times we would drop them and blitz the mic. And so what, what happens if you give a five-across look? People bob it, right? Yep. Bob, bob, bob. Then you got the mic on the back, and you're rushing four. And those guys drop out of there, and the guard's like, oh, I'm fast pro one, and then here comes the – and then you got the four yeah. running back taking – and our mic was our best defender. Um, or you could twist it, right? You take the end inside, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you can do yeah. so many things you could do out of it. I mean, you, can give, <coughs> you can give yourself a bear look. You're down, yeah. guys. And, yeah, we used to play wing T teams that were jet series guys. Mm-hmm. We give them a bear look, make it hard for them to pull their guards. Mm-hmm. Now, if they're really good, they can pull their tackle. But right, you know, well, most yeah. of those teams weren't that yeah. we were playing. I think bear cover one is probably the easiest defense. That's like the you know the special ten one thing people you see. Yeah, um, yeah. The, the the Chicago Bears back in the day. Uh, there's teams in Texas. There's a program called Argyle, and they basically run 51 cover one in a bear front almost every snap. Wow. <laughs> like every snap. They're in that, they're like in a 4 4. They do get into a six man pressure. Um, Hard to track. Yeah, I mean, I think anything you do over and over again, you get pretty good at it. Yeah. And they have it where they, those guys, those kids run that from youth league all the way up. What you're trying to do here. We're trying to get that. Yeah, and that's always here. that's always been uh, kind of a hallmark of the good programs around here. Mm-hmm. You know, offensively and defensively, they're maybe not exactly the same, but, right. you know, similarities all the time. That's hard. hard. That's a hard thing. Get different personalities, trying to bring everybody together to the table. Sure. Had a good meeting with our youth program, talking offense, and then, I don't know, middle school coaches text you about defense and yeah i think in the middle school level you know this is an easy defense to install there too yeah it's five three yeah it's pretty easy yeah yeah for me i mean i I like cover one as like the base out of it because it's always easier to teach man than teach zone Zone, if you need to because you start at zone man becomes a little more difficult it's like basketball right you're teaching you're coaching basketball you always teach man to man first first yeah and then you can transition if, if you yeah. yeah, Coach, uh, youth league basketball, we always start with man. So the you first got couple of weeks, guy. you have to play man. Coach, what if he does this? You got that guy. Yeah, follow him. <laughs> Wherever he goes, you're going. Yeah. Oh, okay, Coach. You know, that's awesome. Well, you know, one of the things that's unique, too, about Buchanan is sometimes we get kids mm-hmm. that have – little to no football mm-hmm. IQ at all. Mm-hmm. Kids that didn't play maybe until late middle school or even high school right. before they ever came out to play ball. Yeah. You know, one of our best players over the years, he came, he didn't come out until he was a junior in high school. Mm. And, and it was a transportation problem. He just couldn't get here. He lived too far out. Mm. And so we, we struggle with that here, but just because it's a rural <coughs> county, but 
-hmm. He was a really good athlete and picked it up pretty quick. But mm -hmm. imagine how good that kid could have been right. if he would have played a little bit longer. Yeah. I remember Jeremy Pruitt saying something about that, where how a lot of times the guys that even colleges recruit don't come out and play football till later mm -hmm. in their career. They just don't come out and play. Yeah. For whatever reason that is, it's a basketball player, it's a baseball player, it's a wrestler. And they, hey, I'll, I want to try football. And then, holy cow. Yeah. Like, that's good, a monster. And yeah, I mean, I think it's great that kids play youth league, middle school. But different kids develop at different ages, right? So when they hit puberty, and then do they work in the weight room, and then... Yeah, and the same token is true. I mean, I, as a middle school coach, I left from being the head middle school coach to being a high school assistant. Mm -hmm. And I had the same kids. Mm. And some of the kids that I had in middle school had not grown an inch, didn't get any bigger, didn't get it mm -hmm. a whole lot of fast, faster or stronger, whereas some of the other kids that maybe weren't necessarily good players, they hit puberty and... Mm -hmm. The next thing you know, they're they're the guy. Mm -hmm. So there's a huge change. A middle school athlete doesn't always translate to a high school athlete. No, it doesn't. And a middle school coach doesn't always translate into a high school coach either. The, that the speed of the games, yeah, is is a lot different. Yeah, and the what, yeah, the type of player that you have there too. Um, the, the line of scrimmage matters a lot more at the varsity level in high school. And obviously, he's go to college and pro. That keeps getting higher and higher. higher, and higher yeah. But, yeah, it becomes – and it becomes more teaching there, too, because people line up in different fronts, different blitzes, all that kind of stuff. And if you don't, don't have that blocked up, your play's not going to work no matter what offense you run. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and every week I always break down the opponent's plays, and, and just that's a Coach Struble thing. I, mm -hmm. I, I draw them by hand, and then I put them in the huddle. Yeah. But – Coach Struble drew everything, mm. and he would draw everything again and again. He didn't tally mark anything if it was the same play. Mm. But it's crazy to think of how many plays some of these schools are trying to run. And I know they have mm -hmm. their own little gimmicks and their own little mm -hmm. nuances to it, but some of them are, you know, I'm looking at them going, just do what you do well. Right. If you do what you did it. well, you keep running. You, you'd have trouble, you know. Yeah, that's a, that's a fact. Just do what you do well unless you just try to you know be better than that's you know, probably team. the one thing that i've learned from working now with three different head coaches <coughs> the more complex your system is probably the less success you're going to have <coughs> at least yeah. here at this school yeah. I, you, we get, they have to be pretty basic you have to be pretty simple mm -hmm. and they have to know exactly what they're doing mm -hmm. and uh when you try to you know put in things that are are cool on paper and, and would work if you had the right kind of personnel. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes it doesn't work out. I remember we tried pattern match coverage one year and we just could not, could not do it. The colleges have a hard time doing that. Yeah. And they get to meet all the time, watch film and yeah. just play one side of the ball. And uh, yeah, I think one of the evolutions for me as an offensive coach these days is this phrase formations are cheap and then plays are expensive. So you can install a bunch of formations, but as long as your that's playlist is small, you're going to be okay. Yeah. yeah. That's good. You see, I mean, even premier programs only have, we play Bridgeport every year, they're one of the best programs mm -hmm. in the state. I mean, how many plays do they actually have? Not very many out of that single. One point. formation. Yeah. And they're going to run power. They're going to run, they're going to counter, run trap with a fullback. 
and then you know variations of their play action. They have a sweep. Yeah, there's not a lot. I, I think mean, Coach Ferris listens to the podcast. Coach, he's not trying to surprise anybody, but freaking a, they get after your rear end now. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah, excellent. They are so well coached, and that's a it's like a, almost a religion there, Bridgeport football. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you grew up as I imagine little kids are dreaming about being a. A Bridgeport Indian when they're like five, <laughs> you know what I mean? They're <laughs> and they're running run. the same offense. <laughs> yeah, to some degree. Yeah, I imagine you have to make some variations because uh, they're little kids, right? I and mean, you can't. Yeah, I'm them to know stuff the varsity kids know. Um, so, coach, history class this year. Uh huh. What's good about it? Tell me something good this year. Well, first year class. had a push, so first year <laughs> teaching AP. Uh, get the scores here in about a month, so we'll see how there you we go. did. There you go. Um, but I don't know. It was it was different. It was I thought mm-hmm. for me it was a nice challenge because I taught the same things over and over for multiple years. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to do something a little bit different once in a while. Every now and then I like to switch a subject mm-hmm. just to teach something different. Get I get bored. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine so. What's your favorite? What was your favorite thing to teach? Uh, I used to love to teach West Virginia history. Okay. So that was probably my favorite thing to teach back in the day. Um, that was, I mean, it's it's so unique to the area, and, mm-hmm. the, and the kids can relate so easy to it because it, we're talking about places that they know and have been to. Mm-hmm. And you've been here for a while, and you know that a lot of our kids in this county aren't real well off right and so they don't travel a whole lot but they probably have been to some different places at least within the state right so it was cool to kind of talk about some of those things and then errors i love different errors world mm-hmm. war ii civil war mm-hmm. are always fun to teach stuff like that that's cool that's so cool and then you also do fca here i do uh, I, I went well this year i felt like yeah the fca uh it's not a very big group. We don't have a lot of kids in the club, but we uh, put on what we call the senior sermon, which is like a baccalaureate mm-hmm. at the end of the year, and it went pretty well. I thought. It's awesome. We had some kids that, you know, pour out their testimony, which is pretty cool. That was cool, and you you emceed it well. And that was that was cool. I get a little nervous in front of adults. Kids, not so much. But. That's okay though. I mean, I think. Especially, I mean, I got I get nervous speaking in that big old auditorium. Yeah, that's a lot of people. The lights are in your face, and like, whoa, you know, that's a lot of people. Yeah, and you don't want to mess up or say something wrong. When you've lived in Buchanan your whole life, minus your few years like way at college, mm-hmm. uh, you know a lot of people. You don't remember which ones liked you, and which ones didn't. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it's as Coach Davis always says. What are you like, the mayor of Buchanan? You are the mayor. Go through town on the on the float. I'm like, well, do the mayor wave? I was like, half those people that are waving don't even like me. They they're just waving. Mm. Well, they, they knew somebody on there. Well, that's not true. <laughs> I think small towns are small towns. Yeah. People just yeah. There's good. There's bad. There's you know indifferent. All that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's it's a nice community though for mm-hmm. especially to coach football there because people they're passionate. They love football here. Mm-hmm. You know, they had an era where there was a lot of success. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. so a lot of the older players come back. I remember we used to do a segment um, in the early years of 
uh, Stokel's regime where you bring back mm. different players to talk to the team. Mm-hmm. It was so cool to meet some of these guys that I didn't yeah. even know, yeah. guys that played before me and different things. One guy was a uh, Secret Service agent. He was talking about, like, the things that he did. Mm. Another guy was a, a lawyer for um, J.P. Morgan Chase. Mm. So we bring out, bring in these guys, and they would talk about the different things that they've done in life mm. afterwards, and then they would always relate their experience in football to it. Mm. So that's the thing that, you know, you really want to provide. We may not always be 8-2 and two or 9-1, right. and one, right. but – you always want those kids to leave here with that positive experience and mm. kind of a fondness for the program. So. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. You want them to have an experience they remember and they enjoyed. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's hard to enjoy when you're getting drudged, though. Been there, too. There is a there's a fine line there, for sure. Uh, but I think that it's important that we just you know love on our kids and help them to be the best that they can be. And there's something to be said, too, about facing a little bit of adversity mm-hmm. on a football field. Mm-hmm. You know, if that's the worst thing that's going to happen to you in life, you had a pretty good life. Had a good life, yeah. yeah. I've had a good life. Very good life. So these guys are going to face some real real challenges out there in the real world, and we want to prepare them for them as best we can. Mm-hmm. Coach, thank you for coming on. This has been great. Yeah, good times. Now you have to get back to work. That's a fact. <laughs> yeah, I will. We'll go hang down some jerseys here in a minute. <laughs>